Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. So church, uh, I stand before you a, um, a broken man um, as a sign of a fallen world. Uh, my, I, my back is killing me today because uh, I, for about five hours yesterday, I hung Christmas lights. And it was, uh, we, I have one of those, like the little giant ladders or mighty giant or whatever. And it's, uh, it's really diverse in the things you can do, but it's also the first generation of it. And so it's really heavy. And so all day uh, yesterday, I was toting that around and, um, and uh, my day didn't start out as great as I would have hoped it would have um, because I woke up and all of my lights, almost all of my lights had already fallen down. Um, this is not a task that I am gifted at. Uh, and so as we, uh, as we lean into the image of God today, uh, I'm, I, am, um, I recognize that... Uh, since the very beginning, the image of God has, uh, has a fallen nature. Um, our bodies have broken down. Uh, our minds have broken down. We have failed uh, at this, this idea of the image of God. And so I'm feeling, um, feeling my age. And I know many of you are rolling your eyes at me um, that, that this is what it's like to be old, um, to get old. Uh, so we are, today we're, we're leaning into a, a sermon series we started last week, a short sermon series that kind of bridges the gap between our, um, our stewardship series and Advent, which starts next week, uh, which I'm, I'm excited about. Uh, but it's called Four Words. And last week we talked about, uh, Bert talked about what, four words that help us lean into prayer and what it means for us to, to, to pray. Uh, today we're talking about four words that um, help us to understand who we are. Uh, four words that are given to us in Scripture that help us to understand who we are. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. What better place to begin and to understand who we are than to look at God's creation of mankind. Today's a, a little bit different than uh, most sermons that I do. Typically, I like to take a text and just kind of walk through it, uh, the text, to kind of bring up about uh, some truth from Scripture. Today, uh, I'm, I'm teaching a, a doctrine, the doctrine of the image of God, uh, which, which um, is just a new, a new way of teaching for me, so, uh, so bear with me. So as we run through this text, we will see um, the image of God uh, laid out in a beautiful way. So Genesis chapter 1, you'll see it up on the screen, but also I encourage you to bring your Bibles uh, so that you can read some context as we go. Um, I know that whenever I do this, I typically end up keep reading and read through the whole second chapter or third chapter and, and uh, to process through it, even if I don't hear necessarily everything that the pastor says. Uh, you know, you get the word of God. And so... Um, 
So just a quick background of where we are. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Uh, before this, uh, starting in, in verse 1, we see this, the creation narrative, right? Where, um, where we see God creating all of these things, the heavens and the earth. We see him create light. We see, and then we enter into the sixth day here in Genesis chapter 1, where he creates mankind. So if you have your Bibles, open them up with me to Genesis 1. Uh, starting in verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so they made, uh, <clears throat> so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all of the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all of the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there, and there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our four words for today are created in our image. Created in our image. Uh, in Latin, that is uh, the imago dei, the image of God. And so as we look at this doctrine of the image of God, we, uh, we see that it has a profound impact on our understanding of ourselves and our understanding of God. The Imago Dei has uh, profound implications for our personal identity, our worship, and also our relationships with one another. This, this idea of Imago Dei comes from, uh, from this, this passage in Genesis chapter 1, and it literally means to reflect or represent to reflect or represent. And so we're gonna, we're gonna kind of lean into those two words as we look at our identity, our worship, and our relationships. But before we do that, uh, let's, let's ask the Lord to meet us in this space. Holy Spirit, would you, uh, would you be present with us as we um, lean into your word, as we lean into your truths, as we lean into your gospel? God, may it, may it pour back into our lives as we better understand who we are and who you are and who you call us to be to the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we ask these things. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Let's start with our identity. So for our identity, this, this idea of the Imago Dei has uh, profound implications. Number one, we are not accidents. We are not a product of, of evolutionary cycles, of, of biological changes in, uh, in, these, in microorganisms. We are profoundly created with purpose 
And that purpose is lined out a little bit in Genesis chapter 1. As we look back, uh, we see these, these few words in verse 28. It says that God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You see, God created us, created us specifically with a distinct purpose in mind and that is to fill to subdue and to rule, to fill. To fill not just with ourselves, reproductions of ourselves, but reproductions of the image of God. We were meant to propagate the image of God throughout the land. Just as we reflect our creator, so our children are to reflect not us, but our creator because they were made in the image of God. The second thing that we see in that text is that we are called to subdue. This idea of subdue is, uh, is, is very uh, similar to what we see in Genesis chapter one, the rest of Genesis chapter one in the creation narrative where God creates something and then he brings order to that thing. We were create, created in the image of God to subdue Creation. Let's look back at Genesis chapter one, verse three. It says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and he separated light from darkness. Right, he created light and then he created order to that light. He creates the way, the relationship between light and darkness. See, God's very nature, the very image of God is to bring order into chaos. If our life is, un, if, if the world around us is untouched by man, what happens to the world? It begins to enter into a state of chaos. If you take a garden and you, uh, you, you don't touch it at all, you just, you have this garden and it's just uh, dirt and, you know, maybe there's some plants in there. Uh, what happens to the garden? It begins to grow weeds. Right? If we are not there to subdue the garden, if we're not there to, to order it becomes chaos. It doesn't produce the fruit that it's meant to produce. We have a purpose in this world not to just leave it to let it go how it would go. But as Christians, as image bearers of the, of the creator, to subdue the world, to, to bring it into order, to bring it into a, um, a holy order as Christ called us. So we are uh, we have a, a, our, our identity, the image, image of God creates in us an identity that says we are to fill the world with the image of God, to subdue the world, to bring the world into order under the rule of God and that we are to, we are to, see, how, we are to see that played out in the way that we rule. We are, as image bearers, to reflect and represent. Has anybody here ever seen Mona Lisa? Really? No, see, I think you've seen a painting of Mona Lisa. Right? You've seen a representation of Mona Lisa, but you've never seen Mona Lisa. You see, if we are called as image bearers of, of our creator to, um, to, ref, to represent 
who God is to the world, a world that has maybe never seen God, but we are called to represent God, then we, that, that statement that you may be the only God, the only Jesus that anybody's ever saw, that the world around you ever sees, right? This, you may be the only Bible that, that uh, someone else ever reads. We are called as image bearers of our creator to represent the image in which we were founded written onto the, the DNA of our hearts is the painting, the image of God. So when others see us at the very core of our identity, when people see us, they ought to see God, which leads us into this understanding of reflection. Timothy Keller says it this way, the image of God is not a matter of what we look like, but of what we love like. It is the imprint of his love in our hearts. It is the echo of his voice in our words, the trace of his presence in our actions. We are to represent the God that we read, that we read here in the word of God as image bearers, as the imago dei. You see, we are... Um, we are also meant to, so if we are to represent the character and the nature of God, who God is, that changes how we understand ourselves and, and also how we rule. We were given a divine spark, which um, inherently gives us a, a, a different classification than the rest of creation. A different classification than the rest of creation. As we look around this room, we see people of inherent worth, of rights. In our country, people have fought long and hard so that we might have basic human rights. But why? You ever thought about that? Why do we have rights? different than the plants that we grow at our house or the, the trees in our yard or the grass in our lawn, we have rights. Why are we given and distri distribute civil rights amongst one another? There's something uniquely different about us. I'm gonna get a little bit philosophical. Uh, I'm taking a class called uh, Christian Ethics. And, uh, and in it, we are talking a, a little bit about this idea of civil rights and what does it mean for us to have civil rights and why do we have them? You see, no one sheds a tear over the blade of grass that I cut on a warm summer month in my yard. But when we turn on the news and we see um, infants being killed by terrorists, it moves our hearts. Helpless infants killed, it moves our hearts. Because there's something divine within mankind that is different than the rest of the world. You see, secularists get kind of crossed here. If, bear with me, if, if, a secularist believes that we are no more than organic matter. 
And if we are no more than organic matter, but they also believe in the same breath that, that we ought to have civil rights, that we ought to value one another, that, we ought to, that it's a worthy fight for equality in our world. So if we are nothing more than organic matter, yet we are worthy of value, then what is it that gives us value over the rest of organic matter? Secular ethics would say that the ground for our understanding civil rights is based on capacities. Capacities. That we have different capacities than, uh, than grass, right? That our capacity to, to reason, our capacity to love, our capacity to, uh, to have moral choice, our capacity for preferences uh, puts us in a place that we are, are higher or deserving of rights more so than those without capacities. So if this is true, if this is the reason why we are, are different than the rest of organic matter, then they're right in the ruling of Roe v. Wade that it doesn't matter whether we abort babies. Because if it's based on their capacities to have rights, well, a, a newborn, uh, uh, an unborn baby has no capacity to choose. An unborn baby has no capacity for, for, uh, for love, uh, has no capacity for moral choice, has no capacity for preferences. And so they were right. But this is where they get sideways in their understanding and their logic. Neither does a newborn baby. Neither does a se severely disabled individual or senile elderly. If we base human worth on our capacities, then we can't be um, shocked. We can't be uh, appalled when we see child sacrifice, when we see euthanasia of the elderly, when we see infanticide of entire um, entire generations of firstborn girls. We cannot be appalled at the neglect of the mentally handicapped because if it's based on human capacities. No, for us, as image bearers, our understanding of the Imago Dei means that every individual, every individual has divine worth because of the, the spark of the, of the divine that created them, because of the image in which we bear. It changes our ministries. It changes our mission. It changes our understanding of the gospel. It changes someone's worth. If someone's worth is tied to their capacities, then our understanding of the image of God is, is faulty. You, each and every one of you, has an inherent worth because of the image of God that was placed within you. You have rights because of the image of God. You are greater than the rest of creation because of the image of God because you are bearers of that image. Because you reflect and you represent 
And so if we are to represent the image of God to the world, then, then we ought to be representing human rights as well. We ought to be standing up for those without a voice. It changes everything that we know about our personal identity. The second thing that it changes is our understanding of worship. St. Augustine said, uh, man is uh, one of your creation, cre- of one of your creature, creatures, sorry. This is a prayer to, to God. And his instinct is to praise you. The thought of you stirs him so deeply that he cannot be content unless he praises you. Because you made us for yourself and, your, and our hearts have no peace until they rest in you. The image of God changes uh, our understanding of worship. We are all created to worship something. Uh, and so we will worship the things that are around us. This idea of worship um, is, uh, is understood in uh, the idea of glory. What are the things that you bring glory to? What are the things that, that you reflect? One of, the, one of the ways in which we understand worship is that worship is, uh, we worship what we face. We reflect those things in which we face. And so as we, as we face the world, as we face our problems, as we face our work, as we face our relationships, if that is the thing that our, our eyes are, are fixed on, if we are reflecting our work, and that's where we find our value, if we are reflecting our, our relationship with our spouse, and that's where we're ascribing our worth and our value, if we are reflecting our kids, if that's the primary focus of our lives, then those are the things that will ascribe us worth. What is it that you are facing? You see, we are made to reflect the image of God. And so the image of God ought to be the, the lens in which we view the world as we face God first and foremost. And so as we face the image of God, we are then freed, we are freed to invest freely in work and invest freely in our relationships and invest freely in our kids without needing them to validate us on the other side. The image of God changes how we understand worship. If I am, uh, if I am worshiping my work, if my work is the, the place, the, the, the space in which I gain my worth, what happens when the economy downturns? And the only thing that I've faced for the last 10 years of my life is the only thing I've ascribed value from is my work. All of a sudden, I am less, less of, a, of a creature all of a sudden, I am not worthy. All of a sudden, uh, my whole attitude, my whole demeanor changes because every, all of my worth has been given to me from this thing in which I was facing. 
What about kids? We see uh, so many divorces happen when the kids leave the house and go off to college because uh, a relationship has been so focused on the kids that their worth has been ascribed to them by their kids that they've lost track, lost an understanding of who they are as individuals. They've lost that image of God because they are reflecting just the image of their kids. Changes the way in which we interact with the world around us, the ways in which we interact with worship. I love that quote by St. Augustine. The thought of you stirs him so deeply that he cannot be content unless he praises you because you made us for yourself and our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. We cannot be content in this life unless, we, unless our dead aim focus is on the image of God, is on Christ that we see in scripture. The third thing that we see um, that the image of God changes in our understanding of the world is our relationships around us and our ministry to the world. Uh, a few few weeks ago, I was I had the opportunity to go um, and serve in the prisons, um, and you can imagine that there's a lot of shame um, in these these men's lives. Uh, there's a lot that they're dealing with. There's a lot they're, that they're wrestling with. Their self image is pretty low because of the the things that they've done. But how do we, how are we called to respond to those others in the world? One of the guys, he asked me, um, he knew I was a pastor and, and served at a church and he said, um, he said, hey, if I, I gotta ask, if I walk in, someday I'm gonna get out of here. If I come walk into your church, how are they gonna respond? I mean, neck tattoos all the way up with, uh, with teardrops for the people that they've killed in their lives with full sleeve tattoos, with swastikas all over them, but their lives have been transformed by the gospel in in the prison system, how are we gonna respond to that individual? You see, when we have eyes, when we have a lens of the image of God, it changes the way that we respond to those around us, to those that we interact with. As we sat around the circle um, I told a, um, a man that, I said, you're, you're a good man. And uh, he couldn't reconcile that. He, couldn't, uh, he couldn't, couldn't accept that for his life. He said, you don't, you don't know what I've done. You don't know all of the things that I've seen or all the things that I've done. And God gave me uh, words um, that uh, I know are not from me because, um, because I have a hard time with this. But um, he said, the gift that we have in coming in here is that we don't know anything about your past. All that we know is the, is the man that is sitting around this table, the way that you've interacted with each other, the way that you've shown love to one another. I have the gift of being able to see you through the eyes of God not the eyes of your past. 
You see, when we grasp the image of God, um, it changes the way that we interact with, the, with individuals. Uh, hear these, these words from Calvin, and I'm going to close with this. Um, yeah, I know, a Methodist qu- quoting John Calvin. Um, <clears throat> it says, For we are not to reflect on the, weak, on the wickedness of men, but to look to the image of God in them, an image which covering, uh, which covering and obliterating their faults, an image which by its beauty and dignity should allure us to love and embrace, and embrace them. Friends, um, and I'll invite the, the band to come forward. Um, if we understand this doctrine of the image of God, it ought to change the way that we understand our role in the world. That we are image bearers, that we are, um, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we are ambassadors for Christ in the world that we are to fill it and subdue it. That in the chaos of the world that we are called to bring order structured by Christ. That we are called to fill it with the, the graces and the mercy of the, of the image of God in the world. And so I wanna ask you, as broken individuals in a fallen world, What are you turning your mirror towards? What is it that is ascribing worth to you? What is it that is leading and guiding your interactions with the rest of the world? Do you treat others as if they were made in the image of God? I want to close with this video. This is a video of of my daughter, uh, Kaya, who had just put on a a new bow. And I think it's a beautiful image of the way in which God sees each and every one of us. Friends, hey Kaya, I think a lot of us struggle to see us that way, to see each other that way. I think a lot of us view our life, view our position with God based on all of the things that we've done wrong all of our flaws and faults. But today, I want you to hear that you are beautiful. I want you to hear that you are an image bearer of the creator. And he desires for you to have those same eyes to the world around you. Not based on what they've done. Not based on what you've done. But that God loves you so deeply that he would declare that over you. You are beautiful. You're mine. You're created in the image of God with great purpose, with great opportunity to represent 
and reflect my image to the world. Would you pray with me? Uh, God, we honor you today above all else. We give thanks for the ways in which you reveal your nature to us. Call us deeper into your grace. We ask that you would meet us here at the table and remind us of who we are to you. Bearers of that very image to the world. We were created in your image. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all God's people said, Amen. Amen.